we as circus people tend to be drawn to extremes and some of those extremes can be pushing ourselves past our own limits or past our own boundaries. And if we have concretized that in the way that we set our goals, we're giving ourselves another excuse to, to be harsh with ourselves when we don't have to be. You don't have to be harsh in order to be successful. Being a circus boss is all about being confident on and off stage. It's about you living more of those powerful moments when time stands still and your audience is captivated and connected and everything feels right in the world. Welcome to the Circus Boss Podcast. This is the space where we talk about all things business and marketing related to circus so you can make those big dreams happen. We're your co-hosts, Brock and Eileen, and we help circus performers and producers manage your business with ease so you can spend more time on the flying trapeze. So if you're a circus boss that's ready for more, hit subscribe and join us every week. Your audience awaits. Happy New Year, Circus Bosses. Welcome to 2022. I don't know what your feelings are about it, but hopefully it's different than 2021 and different than 2020. In fact, I'm sure it will be different. It has to be different in some way, shape, or form, right? So only time will tell what 2022 turns out to be for us. But today I have an exciting episode for you. I got to chat with Janelle Peters, a.k.a. Janelle Dinosaurs from Cirque Psych, all about New Year's resolutions and goal setting. So whether you're listening to this today on New Year's or some other time in the year, there's really great advice here and just tips and perspective on goal setting in a way that supports your mental health. That's why I wanted to talk with Janelle about goal setting because I can get really ambitious with goal setting myself. So I thought it would be a nice treat to bring Janelle's wisdom and just graciousness into this conversation about goal setting. So if you don't know Janelle, she's a professional contortionist and aerialist based in Denver, Colorado. She's been described as unnervingly flexible and thrills audiences with both contemporary and classical circus acts. She's apprenticed with Paper Doll Militia. She's performed with Vespertine Circus and Moth Poetic Circus and internationally. But in addition to being a performer and a coach, she's also a therapist and the force behind Cirque Psych, where they share fabulous content for the circus community all about mental health and well-being. Now, I did a powerful IG live with Janelle all about how to say no, and I loved that IG live so much I shared it on the podcast too. So after you listen to today's episode, if you're resonating with Janelle, then be sure to listen to episode 13 if you haven't already. I also have some reflections after our interview of things that I really took away from the interview. So be sure to stay tuned till after our talk to hear my reflections on the talk. So without further ado, here's the interview with Janelle Peters. So Janelle, I am so excited to have you here today as a guest on the Circus Boss podcast. And I've already introduced a little bit about you to our listeners, but I wanted to just start with hearing you in your own words, what you do and who you work with. 
Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. It's such an honor to be invited. My name is Janelle. My pronouns are she and they. I have a few different hats that I wear at different times. I'm a contortionist and an aerialist, and I perform both of those disciplines professionally. I also coach in those disciplines. And I'm also a licensed, I'm about to be a licensed, clinical licensed social worker. I have to like send a bunch of paperwork into the state, but I'm like, at that next stage, which means I'm a therapist, basically. And in my work as a therapist, I primarily work with queer folks, artists, athletes, and performers and dancers. And then my final ultimate hat is Cirque Psych, which is an online Instagram that I've created where I create content and psychoeducational material about mental health and well-being and having those conversations specifically in the world of circus, where sometimes those conversations get left out. So many gifts that you're sharing with the world. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And before we dive into your questions, I would just love to hear a little bit more about Cirque Psych. So you're on the Mm -hmm. socials, you're starting these conversations that are so important. Can you tell me like how or why you started it? Yeah, I, I have a really specific story, actually, that kind of ties into why I began working in mental health to begin with. I was doing an apprenticeship with the Paper Doll Militia, and I was staying in Scotland with Sarah Holmes there. And I was at a party of a bunch of circus artists in Scotland, and we were all kind of hanging out and chit-chatting. And I was listening to a couple of folks who had the same therapist, and they, they were talking with each other about their therapist and how frustrated and unserved they felt by this therapist who just did not understand the demands of being a circus professional did not understand the way that it affects their goals and their milestones in their life. And the the therapist, it sounded like, just really kind of thought that being in the circus was a little wild and wacky and probably a sign that people were unstable. And I was just like, what? That's unacceptable. And I could do better than that. And I wasn't even in the field at that point. And that really, for me, was kind of the root of me pursuing this path. And The path has meandered a lot since then, of course, but I'm finding that I'm coming back to that lived experience of being a professional performer, circus artist, dancer, athlete, and needing a therapist who understands what that is and wanting to create work that, that serves those folks. All of that. And so important. I mean, I see that across every field, but you're the first person I've encountered that's actually offering the mental health therapist capacity for circus artists, but I agree with you that it's so important to be helped by somebody that already understands what you do. I have that same feeling when it comes to, you know, PTs or massage therapists or even a regular Mm -hmm. doctor. I, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, I had a doctor tell me that maybe I should stop performing. Maybe it was too hard on my body. And I'm like, that's not an option here. (laughs) Yeah, I've had that exact experience too. I'm like, it hurts when I do this. And they're like, well, don't do that. I'm like, that's my job, bro. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Right. And in business too, I can't tell you how many business coaches I worked with where I would always have to spend Mm -hmm. so much time explaining what we did and why I did what we did, and just to even get to the point of helping me. So just want to say we're there with you in solidarity. That's part of why we're doing Circus Boss too, is to offer that support with somebody that understands intimately the world that we all exist in. Yeah. So thank you. And your work is fantastic for that because exactly as you say, like people don't have to show up and explain their whole industry and their field before they can get to their question. Mm -hmm. And that is such 
it's so respectful of folks' time and energy, you know, like at the very basic. So what you do is gorgeous and beautiful, and I appreciate it. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to talk with you today is, you know, it's a time you might think about New Year's resolutions, whether it's your personal life or your career, or if you own your own business, it's usually a common time to review the past year and make goals and plans for next year. And I'm personally really into planning and like setting my sights so that I know what direction I'm going in. And I know what I'm working towards, but I also think it needs to be done in a way that sets you up for success, but at the same time, doesn't set expectations too high so that then you feel down on yourself if you don't achieve, <laughs> right? All those grand goals that you've set out for yeah. yourself. So I feel like there are good and maybe not so helpful approaches to doing all of this. And that's why I wanted to ask you specifically in the circus world and from a mental health perspective, what do you see as the good parts of setting goals for the new year? I mean, yeah, I see setting goals for yourself if it feels good to you as being helpful any time of the year. But we have a cultural tradition of doing it at the new year. And I also see participating in the culture you live in as being healthy and helpful and wonderful. So, you know, New Year's resolutions can get a bad rap. You know, I I don't set them anymore, to be honest, for myself. I kind of like you use New Year's to reflect and think and, you know, remind myself of my values. And I kind of leave it at that instead of saying, I'm going to do X by Y date and I'm going to do this many of this thing, you know. But I also know that for some people, this is the time in their annual cycle when they do that self-review and that set of goals for the future. And so I see it, you know, as as long as you're kind of being aware that like, hey, I'm participating in a, a cultural practice that's on kind of an arbitrary timeline, but I'm choosing to do this now and I'm doing it in a way that's beneficial for me that I know is going to feel good for me. I'm all about New Year's resolutions if those are the circumstances. Yeah, I like how you say that it's a cultural practice because if our culture was different, mm -hmm. you know, and we might be doing this on solstices and equinoxes. And so, yeah, I, I feel that way kind of about the holidays, too, that it's this like, yeah. OK, I'm kind of doing it because that's what the my larger culture does in my family. And but if if we're mm -hmm. up to me, I might do it a little different or at different times. Even knowing that you're opting in is kind of the first like ground laying of setting goals rather than like just accepting that this is the time to set goals and doing it because everyone else is doing it. Because again, if you're making goals for yourself and you're, you know, changing habits and behaviors and you're trying new things, it has to come from you, right? It can't just come from like the water that you're swimming in. And so that's why I say that is like making sure that you recognize like, am I doing this on purpose because it's helpful for me? Or did I not realize I didn't have to do it? You know, and that's a good point. When we ran our company, we didn't get to do New Year's resolutions because that was still in the midst of our busy uh -huh. season. We usually did an yeah. annual retreat in February. That was a time where we could like take a break and look back mm -hmm. and for the future. And I had sometimes this inner struggle of this like guilt, like, oh, we're supposed to be doing this for the New Year's. But it just wasn't realistic. Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. I think a lot of circus artists are in that boat as well. Just thinking about the number of gigs we have 
you know, gig December leading up to New Year's is like crunch time as opposed to sit back and reflect time, which is how it is for a lot of folks who get off from work during this time. Exactly. So I'm curious, though, do you have any thoughts Mm -hmm. on like the downside or the concept of setting Mm -hmm. goals or New Year resolutions? Like, like what can be the impact of failed resolutions that you set for yourself on your (laughs) mental health? Oh, man. I mean, it really, it depends so much on who you are and how you relate to your goals and how you relate to yourself already. I think that, like, I'll share personally, I have a, a contortion skill that has been my, my in, within this year, I'm going to get this skill goal for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and my relationship with that skill has really uh, gone through a whole evolution, you know, during that time. And, you know, I, I really will just speak personally about this and people can extrapolate from that if you like. But there have been times when I was I really felt like a failure as a contortionist because I couldn't do this particular skill and that I was like not good enough and I should just pack it all in and stick to aerial, you know. And then there have been times when I've been like, wow, I really, you know, have been working so hard on this for so long and this skill is demanding more of me than I realized that it would. And I'm proud of myself for continuing to stick with it, even when it's frustrating. And so knowing which of those you tend to lean towards can be really helpful as you're thinking about what your goals are and how you state them and how you measure them. Because if I had set for myself from the get-go, the goal of, I will work on this skill every time I train, I would have been very successful in year one, even if I hadn't attained this skill. But because I said I will be able to do the skill without realizing how much work it would demand of me, I set myself up a little bit, you know? I really like what you said. It's how you state them and how you measure them. Can you tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit more about Mm -hmm. what that means? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, Keeping in mind when you're setting up your goals, being really clear with yourself on what part is within my control. An example of what is within my control is how I spend my training time. So a realistic goal for me is I'm going to work on this skill every time I train contortion, or I'm going to work on this skill three out of five times that I train contortion because I know myself and I know there might be a day that I'm just like not up for it, right? And that way, that's completely under my control. Every time I train, I decide what I'm training and what I'm working on, and I can hold myself to that resolution, as it were. Whereas if I say, oh, I'm going to get this skill, but I've never done this skill before, and I don't know what it feels like, and I don't know how it is in my body, and I don't know what I need to build up to that skill per se, it's not entirely under my control. Right. And it's the same thing with some professional goals. I I hear a lot of folks saying, like, I'm going to get this gig or work with this company this year. And I caution people about that because ultimately the decision is not your decision. And so you can do everything you need to do to move toward that goal and still, quote unquote, fail at that goal because the ultimate decision of hiring is not under your control. So if somebody's goal is to work for Cirque du Soleil this year or work for the Vespertine Circus this year, I would say, you know, break that down a little bit more. What do those companies require? What can you do to meet those requirements? 
who can you reach out to to start putting yourself kind of in the the peripheral vision of those companies without putting your success or failure in the hands of someone else's decision making? I Anyone that's listening, I give you permission to stop and rewind and listen to that part again. <laughs> Because that was really powerful, and and I I love that mm-hmm. because that is setting yourself up for success. That is something that you can say, okay, I did what I promised myself I was going to do. I love distinguishing between what's in our control and what's out of our control. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, and it, it can be so freeing, you know, because then you go and you audition. You know, you can make it your goal to audition. Even I have a friend who that was his goal is to audition for one of the big name companies and you know, he was able to achieve that. But even that is a little bit of a gray area because even being invited to auditions, you could be extremely skilled and meet all the requirements and just not get on the schedule or not be in the right city at the right time, you know? And so being able to say to yourself, well, I'm really going to only set goals around things that I can control. And then I'm going to see what happens from there is a much, much more grounded and like a uh, functional place than setting goals that have nothing to do with you, right? That depend on someone else wanting to hire you based on what they're looking for, you know? That I feel like I just said the same thing again. So if you want to cut that second half out, that's totally fine. No, I think you said it in a different way. So I'm going to keep it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> sometimes cool. con- it takes a while to, I don't know, it takes me a while sometimes to bring a concept mm-hmm. in and like get it. So yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. the rephrasing. I wanted to ask like also kind of overlapping with this idea of, you know, setting your resolutions, planning for the future and visioning for the future mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the concept of manifesting and manifestation and creating your own reality. And I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that with your mental health experience and background and perspective. Yeah, I have such mixed and complicated thoughts specifically about the term manifesting. And so, you know, I will say very honestly, like sometimes when I hear people talk about manifesting, my hackles raise because oftentimes, I'm not saying always, but often, what people mean when they say that is uh, kind of just thinking really hard about something and assuming that's all you have to do for it to happen. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, it. and I also hear manifesting a lot in kind of a, a pseudo-spiritual, very privileged context as a way to describe a pretty entitled attitude that if I want something, then the universe will bring it to me and I don't have to do much more than want it. And again, I'm not saying this is what everybody does, but I am saying that when I hear that term, I my little yellow flags go up and I try to question a little deeper, like, well, what exactly are we talking about here? I'll also say, though, that that concept of manifesting or of creating your reality There are two ways that I do see it being backed up more functionally. One is if I go around telling all my friends and my colleagues, oh, I'm manifesting a spot in this company, what I'm doing is I'm letting my community know what I'm interested in and what I want and like where I'm pointed. And that's actually very beneficial because nobody in that company is going to know I'm interested if I'm not telling them or if they're not hearing it from the community. And so you know, if we're if we're going around talking about what we're manifesting, what we're doing is we're asking our community 
to open doors for us that we are interested in. And that's really different from just thinking about something really hard or just assuming that we're entitled to it, right? And the other way that I see it being backed up is a little bit more in that psychological sense, which is that where we put our attention tends to grow. And we see this a lot with folks who struggle with anxiety or who struggle with depression, that the more that we get into a pattern of rumination, of kind of thinking those same frightening or negative or depressing thoughts over and over and over, the more attention we give them, the more ingrained they become in our thought process, the easier it is for those to become our default thoughts, the harder it is for us to think and try new thought patterns. And so on the flip side, if we're putting our attention on our hopes and our goals and on the things that we're moving towards and the things that we are satisfied with and excited about and on the things that feel successful, that attention that we're bringing to those things is going to become our default thought process and lead us to an attitude and a mindset where it's easier to continue to pursue those things even when they are difficult. So those are the ways that I see this idea of like manifesting or creating your reality as being backed up by action as opposed to sort of that like, well, I'm just going to sit back and let the universe bring me everything I want. Mm, that, you know, you really helped me, everything you described there, because I had that on my list today too, to mention it, but you already addressed it of this, <laughs> this connection between privilege and manifestation or entitlement and mm-hmm. manifestation. And I personally have had that inner struggle because mm. I know some people are simply struggling to survive. And so it feels that I'm coming from a privileged mm-hmm. p- place to even be having thoughts about manifesting my reality. I try to reconcile this by taking action and actively supporting others. So I'm engaging in that mm-hmm. realm. But I love what you said about the manifestation, because I think that's what how I'm trying to frame it for myself, too, of like, number one, it gives me something to be hopeful for, you know, to say this is mm-hmm. what I'm this is what I'm aspiring to. It helps me stay focused on my priorities. And by mm-hmm. like using my imagination and picturing the outcome that I'm working towards, it helps me believe it's possible more, which gives me more yes. confidence and, you know, and it helps me move into that place of action. So I think it is this, like, it's not just about sitting and like writing a list of affirmations and saying them every day and it'll just magically happen. Right. It's like, So much of this is about putting it into action. It's all about putting it into action. You know, one of the things about goals, you know, there's the acronym of SMART goals. And, you know, sometimes it's a helpful acronym. Sometimes it's a helpful tool. But the A in there is like actionable. Like Mm -hmm. if you have a goal, but there's nothing you can do to move yourself towards that goal, that's not a goal. That's a daydream, right? I have a, a quote as well that always comes to mind when I think about manifesting that I think is very appropriate for the conversation we're having. It's this beautiful like rainbow in the sky. And then over it, it just says, did you manifest it or is it white privilege? And that quote, A, like just cracks me up. And B, I think hits the nail on the head with the questions that we need to ask ourselves when we find ourselves in that like daydreaming, sitting back and waiting for the universe to bring us something, writing it down, but not doing stuff about it, not telling other people about it. That's the question to ask ourselves is like, am I quote unquote manifesting or am I sitting in my entitlement and waiting for good things to happen to me? 
And just asking yourself that question really is all you need to do to kind of get to that next step of being like, oh, okay, I actually want to work towards this. Or, oh, I actually want to go tell my coach that I'm interested in this kind of opportunity. Or I want to put a post out there that says I'm available for bookings, right? I want to do something to bring this about. Hmm. I love it. That was a great checklist right there for anyone that's taking notes. <laughs> if you're taking notes, gold star, you get a sticker from me. If you listen to podcasts and take notes, I'm so impressed. I wish I were more like that. I've totally had people say that before. They'll set, shoot me a DM be like, oh my God, I just took like three pages of notes from the last podcast. So oh <laughs> they're doing it. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Note takers. I love you. That's so badass. I love it. Um, but if you're driving or washing dishes, then you can listen to it Please later. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier, you don't do New Year's resolutions, but I'm curious, like, no, you've, you've had mm-hmm. some major accomplishments in your life. So what kind of planning or non-planning or visioning or goal setting or non-goal setting do you do for yourself? Yeah, I mostly don't do New Year's resolutions because I'm usually gigging on New Year's these days. Um, Not the last couple years, I guess, but I've just stepped away from New Year's as that time because I'll, I'll speak to that and then I'll kind of answer your question. But just as another kind of thought about New Year's resolutions is we have sort of a cultural story about what resolutions are appropriate at New Year's and they are often fueled by diet culture. They're often fueled by capitalism. They're often fueled by kind of like entities and thought processes that I don't want to fuel my goals. And so it's easier for me to steer clear of those when I'm not doing the the practice alongside the culture in the way that the culture tends to do it. And then in answer to your question, how do I set my goals and how do I kind of do my self-reflection on where I'm at with things? I personally, and again, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. This is not me saying this is what you should do, but you're welcome to join me if you like. I do it in a pretty ongoing fashion. I would say more than once a month, I do spend time, for me, it's with my journal, making a list of what's next for me. And so I can give the example of getting my my 3,360 clinical hours for my LCSW, which is my most recent big accomplishment. That has taken me four years. Hmm. And part of the process is keeping track of those hours, which I did a pretty okay job of. It was a little bit of going back through my calendar and looking at things at the end there. But um, keeping track as I go of where I'm at in relation to a very concrete goal is super helpful. And doing that not just in my mind, but literally on a piece of paper or on a spreadsheet. So if you have a very concrete goal that is something like that, just, you know, regularly counting your steps toward it can help you keep that goal in mind, help you know where you're at with relationship to it, help you put the gas pedal or put the brakes if you're noticing that your relationship to that goal is feeling different. And if you have a goal, you know, that's a little, I'll give the example of my contortion skill that I've been working on for ever. Noticing how you're relating to yourself around that goal to me is actually more important than making linear progress toward that goal. Also, linear progress is a lie <laughs> towards anything. <laughs> and so I that's why checking in often and regularly and in a low key way with yourself and with your progress and your relationship to that progress 
for me is the best way to kind of keep moving towards goals. And you might find that you've set goals for yourself. And as you check in with your progress and how you're relating to that goal, that goal no longer applies. You don't want that thing anymore. And that's allowed. And the sooner you realize that and kind of step off that that pathway, the easier you're going to make it for yourself in the long run, because you have all that time and energy now to devote to something you are actually interested in. Mm. I don't really have anything to add to that. It was all I, I find whenever I speak with you, Janelle, I just find myself like, yeah, there, mic drop, like nothing else to say after that, because I appreciate your ability to give concrete examples and personalize it and kind of give at the same time you're telling us about your process. You're like also observing your process and explaining it. It's really mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so Sorry, I don't have a follow up after that. I'm just, it, it's just, it's just so right no, on with so many things that I think and practice and perhaps haven't even been able to put words to before. So mm-hmm. I love it. In terms of like where we are right now, the other reason that mm-hmm. I, I wanted to have this conversation with you is because last year and, you know, for the past 20, I've stopped counting 21 months. I don't know where we're at, but things have felt so up in the air, right? That like, I personally found it hard to set goals or think about the future or even make these small, like, this is what I want to say. And like you mentioned, oh, I'm going to do this, work on this skill every day or work on this every day, because there were times that I didn't even know what I was working towards. And part Mm -hmm. of that's personal, because I have made some massive changes in my life, closing a company, moving twice, starting a new business. But also I think it's- contextual like it's kind of hard to plan when we haven't known much about what direction we're going and I mean I know nothing is ever for certain but I finally feel in a place of being more excited about visioning and setting some of these goals for the first Mm -hmm. time in a while and it's syncing up with the concept of new years for me personally but for people that are in a similar place like You've mentioned a lot already, but if there is someone that's like excited and like, okay, I want to set new goals for the year, like what would be your best advice for them? I would really highlight the reflection element and spending, think of the reflection as being the part of the iceberg that's under the water and the goal as being the tip of the iceberg that's over the water. When you think about how much time and energy goes into these things right? In the goal setting process. And when I say that reflection, you know, it it really is about where am I right now? How am I relating to where I am right now? What is working for me right now? What do I want to change? Why do I want to change it? How do I want to change it? And ultimately, like this reflection brings us to our deeper core values, which for a lot of us have been the thing that has gotten us through these 22, which is a crazy number to hear, these 22 months of total uncertainty and confusion and stuff that that we haven't been able to see a clear path forward. And we've had to be more present and more guided by our values rather than our direction, you know, but really use that reflection time and that sense of who you are and how you want to show up in the world as the like rich, fertile ground to kind of like grow those goals out of. And that way you're going to find yourself with goals 
that are still going to feel right to you, hopefully in time, especially if you're setting long-term goals. And we all know that things change and can change quickly. But if your goals arise from your values, the likelihood that you're going to continue to want to work toward them, even in the face of change or uncertainty is higher. You know, I'm thinking as well, there's like one other side to this. You know, we talked already about not setting goals that are outside of your control. And what I want to kind of highlight from that as well is to really think about, certainly we want to have some goals that are measurable and we want to know how we're measuring them. You know, is it, am I working on this skill every time I train? Is it, I'm sending this number of emails out about applying for jobs, whatever it might be. But I would also set kind of a, a deeper, closer to your heart intention about how you want to relate to yourself as you work towards these goals. And that's the thing that is going to lead to not necessarily like financial success per se, but to satisfaction with your work and your career. I love how you talked about the tip of the iceberg and the reflection mm-hmm. being the part that we don't see that's underneath it all. And mm-hmm. I was thinking of it in a way of making sure that we are applauding ourselves for how much we have accomplished. I think so many of us like rush onto the next big goal or onto the next project or, you know, you do something amazing and you like hopefully get to enjoy it. And then you're like onto the next. And so that reflection Mm. is guilty. I'm raising my hand over here. (laughs) 100%. Oh, yes. Um, But, you know, like finding those ways to be like, well, how much did I accomplish this year? Look how much I did. And even if it was, Mm -hmm. I trained that skill five times a week. Like, give yourself a Mm -hmm. gold star. Treat yourself, right? Then that part you mentioned about how you relate to yourself in terms of those goals and those actions and, and how you, that's like the ongoing applauding of yourself, the ongoing celebrating the wins, the ongoing sense of satisfaction that you get from it's almost like making little agreements with yourself so if you say i'm going to get up Mm -hmm. tomorrow at 7 a.m and i'm going to meditate and when you do that it reinforces that you are doing what you want to do in the world you are being true to you and every time that you do that it reinforces that level of confidence so you're not like at the whim of everything that's happening around you it's going back to that thing of what you do have control of. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just reinforcing that. I would even throw in. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, obviously that feeling of like accomplishments and of like progress and movement is really powerful and it grows the more of it you have. And then with your example, I also, I want to throw in another layer that is, is kind of further back is more in that underwater part of the iceberg which is if you set the goal of like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at seven and I'm going to meditate. You want to have an answer for yourself for why, right? Mm -hmm. Not just like, oh, because this article said that it's good for you, but because I value having a clear mind or because I know that it will set me up to be more patient with my kids. You know, you have to know why you're doing the thing and you have to know it really deep down because then Let's say your alarm doesn't go off or it does go off, but you're exhausted and you hit snooze and you don't get up at seven and you don't meditate. It's very easy to fall into that like, oh, I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do. I've failed. But if you know why, if you know, like I still value having a clear mind, 
you will still be able to say like, but you know what I can do is it's 830. I have to get out the door, but I'll have five minutes at lunch to meditate and I'll do that. And that's still feeding my value of having a clear mind or of being more patient or whatever it is that you know that's going to do for you. And now you're in a no-lose situation instead of a a win-lose situation. I love that. So it's not just about like, oh, I'm going to do this thing this day, but it's like, okay, I want to feel this. I want to have this Mm -hmm. energy, this emotion, this state. And here are things that I know that can help Mm -hmm. me move towards that. And so then it's almost like a checklist of things so that if you don't hit one, then you've got these Mm -hmm. other options. And Mm -hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. And I'll also, I'll add in a tool. This is a really concrete kind of behavioral tool, but I find that this can be really helpful for folks who tend to to fall into that yes, no, win, lose, black and white. I did it. I didn't do it. I've succeeded or I've failed thinking, which is a way of tracking your progress towards goals where instead of saying, I'm going to, so I'm going to use this, the working on a scale example, because it's pretty relatable, I feel like for circus folks, instead of saying to yourself, I'm going to work on this skill every day this week, right? Because then if there's a day when you're not up for it or something gets in the way or whatever, you failed, right? Because you didn't do it every day this week. It was a very black and white setup. If you give yourself credit every time you work on this skill. So if you were, the example here is like a little sticker chart or a checklist. I know a couple of folks who like keep these really detailed checklists of like what they work on in their training and stuff. And instead of saying, I'm going to do this every day, or I have failed, if you say, I get a check mark or a sticker or whatever on this thing every time I do it, and every time that I get 10 check marks or stickers, I get a reward of some kind. Mm. It leaves you room to have a day or two where it doesn't happen, but you know that overall you're still moving towards your goal, and it gives you that grace that I've, I feel like all of us need all of the time, but especially right now as like things are unpredictable and opening and closing. And, you know, that way of thinking about how you're working towards stuff is kinder. And so if that feels nice to you, please take the recommendation and give it a try. That is so beautiful. I'm going to institute that right away for myself. I love it. Yay. Yeah, no, and and, and any any of our listeners out there, if you're going to apply this, like, let us know how it goes. Reach out to Janelle, reach out to us. Let us know because this is, you know, it's a blip in a conversation, but it feels something that's transformational, just a different way. This isn't how I learned, you know, in school or in in business (laughs) coaching or in different methodologies I've practiced over the years. I've never heard anyone say it in such a way that feels so attainable and achievable and in a way that I could feel really at peace with the flexibility that happens in life that we all know happens. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. confident and on track that I'm working towards what's important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that balance, right? We as circus people tend to be drawn to extremes. And some of those extremes can be pushing ourselves past our own limits or past our own boundaries. And if we have concretized that in the way that we set our goals, we're giving ourselves another excuse to, to be harsh with ourselves when we don't have to be. You don't have to be harsh in order to be successful. Well, you're mm-hmm. speaking to things that are very universal that I think a lot of our audience can relate to, but yet I can't help be present and hear you and apply that to my own life. 
you know, I think there's so much here. And I think I, I like to keep our podcast, you know, not too much information to digest so that you can walk away from it and say, cool, this is what I'm taking from this. And this is what I've incorporated in my life. And so do you want to do like just a maybe a quick recap of like your highlights of what you want people to walk away with? Oh boy, let's see if I can remember everything we've talked about. It's been such a great conversation. We've wandered so many directions. I mean, I guess the main things are if you decide that you're going to do New Year's resolutions, take note of if you are purposefully opting in or if you're doing it by default and maybe if there's a better time in your annual cycle that would fit better for you, you get to decide if you're going to do goals and when you're going to do goals. I would say Take note if you find yourself doing the sit back and wait version of manifesting for something and ask if you're sort of coming from a place of feeling entitled to that thing and what might be fueling that and maybe what you could be doing instead. I would say keeping in mind those two ways that the idea of of quote unquote manifesting are backed up, which is informing your community of what you want and what you're working towards so that they can kind of help you find that thing. And also of where we put our attention being the place that continues to grow and become our default. We talked about setting goals that are inside of your control rather than setting a goal that depends upon someone else making a decision about you. So for example, getting a job with a particular company may be a goal that's not setting yourself up for success, but you can certainly set goals around meeting the requirements that company has or putting yourself in the pathway of people who hire for that company or reaching out to that company or auditioning. We talked about the reflection that needs to come before goal setting being the bigger part of the iceberg that's under the water and really tuning into your values and why you want to do the things that you want to do so that you can return to those values even when maybe you don't meet your concretized, you know, smart goal. We talked about having a a no-fail way of tracking your progress towards goal. So instead of saying, I'm going to do this every day this week or else I've failed, we talked about saying, you know, every 10 times that I do this, I have been successful and I get a reward. And especially if you know you're someone who tends to get harsh with yourself, setting up ways that build that gentleness into how you're setting and tracking your goals so that you're not as tempted to fall into that that mean inner voice. And I think that that's everything. Did I leave anything out? No, that's everything that stood out for me. I think that was a beautiful (laughs) list. Before we go, I just wanted to also say, you know, this podcast is all about empowering circus artists that are their own boss, right? That's the whole circus boss name in case anyone's Mm -hmm. wondering. I am not proclaiming to be a circus boss. No, I'm pretty sure you're the boss though. (laughs) Oh, you're so sweet. I think of you as a circus boss. Well, my goal is to help everyone feel like a circus boss. So I always like to ask guests on the podcast about being your own boss. So like, what's your favorite Mm -hmm. part about being your own boss? And maybe what's the hardest part about being your own boss? Hmm. Ooh, wow, that's a whole other episode. Okay. Um, (laughs) I have several kind of pillars of my professional life. You know, I have my performance career. I have my circus coaching career. I have Cirque Psych and I have my private therapy practice. And I love having this variety of things 
you know, there there are days when I work on projects for each of those pillars in a given day. And that variety and that like intermingling of all of the different parts keeps me interested and excited. So for me, it's, it's being able to have multiple pillars. And from a financial perspective, I have the flexibility to dial up on one and down on the other when I need to. And that helps me feel safer than if I were just relying on one of those pillars for all of my financial stability. For me, the hard thing I think is I love working on a team. I love being in community and having that camaraderie. And I certainly get to experience that sometimes, you know, when working on a show or working at a gig. But in a lot of the pillars of my work, the work is very individual. It's relatively private or it's completely private and confidential. And so I do miss that feeling of being in it with other people and celebrating wins together and and going through difficult things together. Mm, I can relate to everything that you've said there. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. Well, is there anything else that you want to share or anything you were hoping I might have asked you that I didn't? No, this was such a lovely conversation. I always have such a nice time talking with you. You're always so generous with your words and you have such great questions and such great material that you're putting out into the world. And I'm so happy to get to contribute and be a part of it. It's really an honor. Mm, Thank you. I feel exactly the same way about you. That's why I, you know, this is the second time we've done a conversation and I honestly find myself sometimes at a lack of words because I'm just like absorbing the depth of what you're saying. And I'm like, wait, now I have to say something back to that. (laughs) So where can we find you if our audience is out there and they're really resonating with what you're saying and they're not already following you? What are the best ways to keep in touch with you and your work? Yes. The first best way is to follow my Cirque Psych Instagram. So it's at C-I-R-Q-U-E underscore P-S-Y-C-H. And I have DMs turned on there. So if you have questions or if you have other things like this, if you have a podcast or if you're having your studio wants a workshop, you know, that's a great place to reach out to me. You can also check out my website, which includes a lot more of my performing and coaching content. And that website is JanelleDinosaurs.com. So it's J-A-N-E-L-L-E and then the word dinosaurs, D-I-N-O-S-A-U-R-S.com. And on that website, you can find information about me as a performer and me as a circus coach. And there's also a, a form on there that emails me directly. So that's another way to get in touch if you want to get in touch with me. Awesome. And before we go, I just have to ask, because I haven't asked you this before, why dinosaurs? So this is a long story. It's not that long. But back in the day when Facebook was only for .edu email addresses, and it was still kind of like weird and sketchy to put your real name on the internet, I finally caved to peer pressure and got a Facebook. But instead of putting my real last name, I just put dinosaurs because I like dinosaurs. And it was sort of a placeholder. And then I never changed it. And that's how people came to know me. And so that's my name now. And I kind of love it. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. I love it. So like kind of back in the days (laughs) of like MySpace. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my my real last name is Peters. It's no secret. I often am billing myself now as Janelle parentheses dinosaurs Peters or Janelle parentheses Peters dinosaurs. It's not a, a secret who I am. It's just that a lot of folks know me that way. It's memorable. It's helpful. So I haven't changed it. 
I love it. Well, thanks, Janelle Dinosaurs. It has been such a pleasure. You're so welcome. As always, speaking with you. I just, I thank you for your compassion, your generosity, your wisdom, and just your grounded approach and just desire to help lift up so many people out there in the community. I appreciate everything you're doing, all the conversations that you're a part of, all the content that you share. I just think you're a gift to this community. And anytime we get to connect, I always feel wiser and more uplifted and inspired to think about things differently. So it's a personal thank you and a collaborator. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you right back. Is there a chance for me just to give a little shout out to a colleague who has really helped inform a lot of my thinking about some of what we talked about today? Absolutely. Yeah. I really want to shout out my my dear beloved colleague, Mandy Hackman. Mandy is a movement coach and a circus artist and an aerialist and a dancer. And a lot of her work centers around that relationship with yourself as a mover. And, you know, she's able to really blend those two worlds of personal training, right, of coming in with really concrete goals and bringing into that the relationship with self and the relationship with body as the driver. And so when I speak about those things, I'm kind of imagining Mandy sitting next to me. So I want to make sure that she's kind of present here too. If you're interested in more of her work, she's incredible. Her Instagram is all our bodies and it's A-L-L dot O-U-R dot B-O-D-I-E-S. Highly, highly recommend Mandy as well. And I just appreciate you modeling the concept of giving thanks to your mentors and giving recognition to your mentors. I would love to see more of that in the community as well. It's so important to acknowledge the people that we learn from. And yes, we may take Mm -hmm. it a step further, but let's keep, let's respect the lineage and let's share those resources too. So thank you for telling us about Mandy too. I don't, I hadn't heard of Mandy. So now I'm going to go connect with her. I'm excited. She should be on the podcast. She's incredible. Highly recommend. Oh, awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Janelle. I, again, cherish every time we get to connect. So thank you for everything you've shared today. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, have a lovely day. You too. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye. So that was my conversation with Janelle Peters, Janelle Dinosaurs. I finally got the backstory on where the dinosaurs came from. (laughs) But... I just wanted to say that I've already made a star chart. I am all about gamification and rewarding myself. And I love the concept of seven stars in a row gets me something or 10 stars in a row gets me something versus, oh, if I do this every day this week or five days this week, then I get this reward. Because then if you slip up, you might give up, right? If you And they, they talk a lot about don't lose your winning streak, you know, like in goal setting mentality of like, oh, if you, if you get a star every single day, that'll make you more encouraged to continue doing the thing, whatever it is and getting that star. But what I find is then if I do have one of those days where I don't do the thing, then I get hard on myself and feel like, well, I can't do it. And then maybe give up on it. Right. I mean, that's a little extreme, but (laughs) I am a Scorpio. (laughs) So 
Anyways, I just like the concept of instead of how many days a week, just, hey, when I get seven stars, then I get to reward myself. So Brock and I both have star charts up for accountability to support each other with some things that we're personally working on in our home. I'd love to know and hear if you're doing star charts. But the other thing I just also wanted to expand upon was the the concept of manifestation. I really wanted to bring that up with Janelle because I've been conflicted with that concept for years. It's something that I do work with. I think that, you know, we talked about it in the interview. I won't go too far on it, but I wanted to share one thing that I did that was super powerful years ago when I was in Miami. I really wanted to have an aerial studio. At the time, there was no aerial studio in Miami, and I really wanted to create one. And so I made a shoebox and I took a bobby pin and some thread and made a trapeze or it was like twine or something but made a trapeze out of a bobby pin and twine and hung that up in the diorama and then I got some ribbon and hung that as aerial silks and then I took a key ring and hung that to be a little lira and so I had this diorama by my front door on the windowsill so that every day I left the house, I knew that what I was working towards was being able to create an aerial studio. And yes, it was more of the action like Janelle talked about. I wasn't just wishing it and assuming the universe would provide it for me. And I did it. I did create my own aerial studio in Miami in about 2005 or 2006. Because I'm a kinesthetic person, I'm a physical person, the act of making the physical diorama and then putting that by my front door, I felt like really helped me focus and remember what I was working towards. So that's just another little manifestation, putting things into action tip um, that I wanted to share. And the last thing is, you know, you do you, (laughs) you do whatever you need to do to work towards your goals. Maybe you do need to be more rigid than what we spoke about here. Maybe you do need to be more flexible and generous like we were talking about. But one thing in general that I've found is I do really like to plan because I get decision fatigue of having to make choices in the moment right? Whether it's at night, I'm planning what I'm going to do the next day. Or on Friday, I'm planning what I'm going to do next week at the end of each month, at the end of each quarter, maybe doing it with the moon cycles, wherever it is, having a rhythm where you can just plan a little bit ahead of time, for me really helps not have to use my brain on deciding what is my priority and what I'm working on, because I want my brain to be filled with creativity. And inspiration, not logistics, right? That belongs on paper. So whether you plan or you don't plan on the New Year's, I think the biggest things I want to wish for you for the new year are momentum and presence. Presence with what's happening around you so you can enjoy it and be in it. And then momentum so that you are moving in some direction towards your goals let me know your thoughts on the podcast. Are you planning? Are you not planning? Are you going to do the star method? Was there anything else that Janelle really rocked your world when they said it? Let me know. All right. I wish you the best in health and wealth and success and abundance and joy and anything that is on your list for 2022.